We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Today, I, I love this Mass. There's something so prayerful about it. And what I want to do with you today is I just I want to go a little deep. Uh, today's Christ the King, and I'm tempted to talk really about the um, kind of the way that what happens when God becomes king, and we'll see if we get there. But today I want to go into a specific line in the gospel that I think puzzles many of us. And I want to enter into that, and I want to offer that for your prayer today because it's super powerful and beautiful. So if you go to St. Catherine of Siena over in the Highlands, and if you don't know that term, the Highlands, that means you're not young and hip. But um, the Highlands, right, it's like North Denver, used to be called that. And in the Highlands, there's St. Catherine of Siena, is one of the churches up there. And St. Catherine of Siena has, it's interesting, when you go in their crucifix, on either side of it, when you go in, you'll see there's... uh, vines and floral motifs that are fastened to the wall all around the cross. Why? It would be easy to kind of think that that's maybe there because they just wanted it to look good. It's just aesthetics. And they just wanted to to bring out, you know, kind of the flower motif. The same thing, by the way, is true in cathedrals. Cathedrals almost always have one of two themes to them, and usually both. One is kind of a floral motif like that, and the other is of kind of a perfect city. Here's what I want to get to today. The reason St. Catherine of Siena has those vines and the floral kind of things around it is because of what Jesus says today to the good thief. And don't you get jealous of this guy? Right? I think a lot of people, like, they get mad at this almost. This man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you today, today you will be with me in paradise. And I think the natural thing for us as human beings is to think, well, this guy is a criminal, he did bad things. He probably lived like this like life where he got to do everything he wanted and then he skates in at the end because he's like, Jesus, remember me? And you're like, I have to go to church every Sunday and like I'm a decent human being and that guy gets to skate in. Have you ever felt that way? This means yes. This means no. are you? We can feel that way and here's what I want to get to. The church's tradition does point to this man being saved at that moment, which is great hope for all of us. And by the way, wherever you're at in your life, it's never too late to turn to God. But I want to take it deeper because I think the gospel has something much richer for us to see in this one line today. And I'm debating where to go next, but here we go. So in Revelation 2, God makes this incredible promise. Jesus is speaking to us, and he makes this incredible promise, and it's related to what he says to the good thief on the cross. In Revelation 2, 
So Jesus speaks to you personally. He's speaking directly to you, and he says this. He says, to him who conquers. And what does that mean? Conquers what? To the one who overcomes sin in their life. Right? You have a battle in your life. So do I. Every one of us, the world, the flesh, and the devil do not want you and I to become saints. And Jesus says to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So on the cross, Jesus says to the good thief, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And in Revelation, Jesus says, if you conquer, if you overcome, what's the Greek word for that? Here's a Greek word for Sunday. The Greek word to overcome is Nike. Nike is a Greek word to conquer or to overcome. If you conquer in your life, brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ promises you that you will eat of the fruit of the tree of life. And what that means is it means paradise. And here's what I want to show you today. This is so powerful. This is so cool. And it should drive you to prayer. The cross does many things. But one of the things that happened on the cross of Jesus Christ is that the Garden of Eden was restored. On the cross of Jesus Christ, the Garden of Eden was restored. And the New Testament wants us to see that. When you go to Israel, you'll find out that the place Christ was buried is very, it's in the same church as where he was crucified. And the place he was crucified was a garden. And in the church of the Holy Sepulchre, it's, it's incredible it's that, that he was crucified on a rock called Golgotha, right? The place of a skull. The Christian tradition says the skull, why it's called the place of the skull is because that skull is the place where Adam was buried. And the skull is his. And there's a profound connection between Mount Calvary and the Garden of Eden. And it goes simply like this, is that in the garden, right, in that paradise that you and I long for, Right? We all long to be in that perfect place. I, I was saying last week at Mass, right, I never want to leave Lourdes, but if I do, it better be for Hawaii. Right? We're going to set up a new church there, Our Lady of Lourdes Part 2, right, in Maui. We long for that. In the original Eden, though, what's happening is that you have Adam is the Son of God. He's the first creature. He's the first human being. And so he is, he is known as the Son of God. And what happens is in the, in the first Eden, you have a son and you have a tree. And so Adam, right, he disobeys God's command. He doesn't trust the Father. And Adam eats from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In the New Testament, in the New Eden, there's a new Adam. There's a new Son of God who is the true Son of God. 
And Jesus, right, at the end of his life, we find him in the Garden of Gethsemane and then in the garden where he will be crucified. And there's a garden and there's a tree. And all the way back in Genesis 2, there's two trees that have names. A lot of people don't know this. In the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, there's two trees that have names. There's the tree of knowledge, and there's the tree of life. And when Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden in Genesis 3, what happens is God puts a cherubim with a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. And he guards it and he says, lest they return and they eat the fruit of the, the, fruit of the tree of life and they live forever. And so you and I, right, the human race, we were cast out of that garden. And what I want to show you today is that our king, on the cross, he made it possible for you to return to Eden. The cross in the New Testament, and in the Christian tradition, one of the names for the cross is the tree of life. Right? Jesus takes on our death so that you and I can have eternal life. And I want you to hear this. In your own life, you have a choice. You can be like Adam or you can be like Christ. Adam and Eve distrust God. They say, you know what? I know better. I'm not going to trust the Father. I'm going to live life my way. And that's a temptation for every one of us. Right? The temptation in my life is, Lord, I know that you have, I know what you want me to do. I know. I know that the Lord desires my holiness. Right? I know he desires me to be just and merciful and kind and wise and prudent and temperate. And I can listen to that or I can choose my own way and I can say, I know my path. I know what's good. I'm going to live for power and pleasure and for pride and for myself. There's two ways. And Jesus comes to restore humanity to what you and I should be. So the cross in the New Testament is the tree of life. Origen says this. And today is the feast of Christ the King. He says, the coming of the kingdom of God, as Jesus says, does not admit of observation. And no one can say, look, here it is, or look, there it is. For the kingdom of God is within us and in our hearts. And so it is beyond doubt that whoever prays for the coming of the kingdom of God, which you pray hopefully every day, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Whoever prays for the coming of the kingdom of God within himself is praying rightly. For God reigns in every saint, and every saint obeys God's spiritual laws. If we want God to reign within us, he goes on, I know this is a lot, hang with me. If we want God to reign within us, 
on no account may sin reign in our mortal bodies. Right? You know this, right? Your sin wants to control you. Your sin doesn't want to just be a part of your life. Your sin wants to run your life. That's true for every one of us. And people, I always say when I talk like this, people look at me and they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. The H-E double hockey sticks you don't, right? Yes, you do. Your sin wants to own you. Your lust, your pride, your vanity, your ego. Those things want to run your life. But God says sin must not reign inside of you. Let us mortify our earthly bodies and let us be made fruitful by the Spirit. And here's what I want you to hear, the long quote. Origen sums it up and he says, when we do that, when we don't let sin reign inside of us, when my jealousy and envy, right, when my hatred and judgment, when those things are not running my life, then we will be a spiritual garden of Eden for God to walk in. Jesus today on the cross, he says to the good thief, he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And here's my point. Someday if you live a good life, brothers and sisters, you will enter into heaven. Praise God. But it's not just then. If you love God, Jesus wants to say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And on the cross, Jesus recreates the Garden of Eden. He makes it a place where we can trust God, where there is a Son of God who is obedient to the Father, where there is harmony, where all things work for those who love God, who work for their good. And finally, I want to leave you with this. In Genesis, right, Adam and Eve are are driven out of the garden, and God forbids the tree of life from them. But not for you. You are permitted. Do you know what you have? You are permitted to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. But most of us don't know it. If you live a life where you love God and you drive out sin, what happened on the cross is the Garden of Eden was reopened to you. And you have the power to eat of the fruit of the tree of life. Catholics call it the Eucharist. In Genesis 3, God casts them out of the garden, and if they eat of the fruit of the tree of life, they will live forever. The Eucharist is the fruit of the tree of life, And in John chapter 6, Jesus says that if you and I eat his flesh and drink his blood, we will live forever. So Christ today on, on Christ the King Sundays, brothers and sisters, do you know what you have? Do you have any idea of the gift that God wants to give you? The death of Christ recreates Eden, it recreates paradise, and it happens here in this church.
And when you receive the Eucharist today, you have something that was forbidden to Adam and Eve because they disobeyed God's commandments. If you today, if you come forward with a pure heart, you receive the pledge of eternal life in the Eucharist. You will live forever. And so Jesus, Lord, today we pray that you would reign in every soul here. Lord, I pray that my own soul and the souls of everyone, Lord, that they might become spiritual gardens of Eden. That you would reign there. Lord, that we would live holy lives in union with the Father. And Jesus, we long to hear those words that you spoke on the cross. Lord, may you say them to us today. Today, you will be with me in paradise.